This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, it's time for your daily assist. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, out to the Smart Rain special guest line we go. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. Joining us now, of course, our friend Chris Mannix. Chris, how are you? What's going on, guys? Well, hey, we're we're excited. Are the Bucks back in it? Are we going to have an exciting series after all? I mean, look, the... They say a series doesn't start until the road team wins a game. And Milwaukee, historically, um, at least the last four or five years, has been significantly better at home than they've been on the road. So game three wasn't all that surprising. All that being said, I mean, game four is just as important as game three. Phoenix came to get one game out of these two, and and they'll adjust. Uh, You know, the first adjustment you've seen – Chris Paul talked about, others talk about, is that they've got to figure out a way to kind of build that wall, you know, that for Giannis to cause some problems there. Because the last two games, he has been otherworldly, and, and everything else kind of flows off that. So, look, great for Miami to get, or for uh, Milwaukee to get back into it, but, um, you know, game four looms as equally as important. Chris, I know you always thought highly of Giannis, but uh, do you think even more highly of him after these last couple? Yeah, of course. And, you know, my, my feelings on Giannis have been that he, he was always going to get to this point. I mean, the critiques of him as, you know, just a regular season player, in a way they mirror critiques of Donovan Mitchell um, that he had uh, and has had early in his career. But, you know, sometimes we forget everyone's gone through this. I mean, Michael Jordan was getting dusted in the first round for years until it all came together and he won with Chicago. LeBron you know, 2003 to 2011, like, you know, they were they were problematic years for LeBron where people wondered if he would ever win, you know, the whole thing. It's just a rite of passage for all great players to have to go through. And I think now this year, you know, really beginning with that, the end of that net series where Giannis pulled that team back from 3-2 down, um, he's put it all together. And you're seeing, you know, arguably the best player in basketball at the peak of his powers right now. So, and look, and you throw in the – the injury stuff and what he's done in the aftermath of was, was a grotesque injury. Uh, it, it really is an incredible thing to watch. So, Chris, you might have answered this partially already, but I'll, I'll ask this anyway. With Game 3, was it simply a fact that Milwaukee's a good team, too, and they were bound to win, that Phoenix was never going to sweep this series? Or did they figure something out about the Suns that now Phoenix is going to have to adjust to? Well, a, a couple things. They they did figure some things out, and it begins with Phoenix adjusting to how Giannis is playing and how they play defensively when he's out there on the floor. But, like, Drew Holiday showed up, and that was a big part of it. The first two games of the series, 
he was bad. Awful in game one. A little bit better, but not good in game two. Game three, he's 8 of 14 from the floor. He's got 21 points. He held Chris Paul largely in check. That was a big reason Milwaukee ran away with it in that third quarter. Um, you know, he's everybody's important, but Holiday is probably the most important two-way player the Bucks have out there. And his ability to score and prevent Paul or Booker, whoever he's guarding from scoring, is is vital. So I think that's that's what you have to watch as the series move forward. I and mean, how effective is Holiday going to be, you know, defensively, offensively? If he plays as well as he did in Game 3, the Bucks are right back in the series. If he reverts to the player we saw in Games 1 and 2, uh, Milwaukee will be in a lot of trouble. Does either of these teams have a coaching advantage, Chris, in your opinion? Uh, yeah, not, not really. I mean, I, I was kind of laughing a little bit when Jeff Van Gundy was criticizing the critics of Mike Budenholzer, knowing full well that if the Bucks didn't win that second-round series – Mike Budenholzer most likely would not be head coach of that team. I mean, some of the criticisms of Bud over the years are certainly fair, beginning with last year, how he, you know, kind of refused to play Giannis more than 30 minutes per game in the playoffs. I mean, that's, that's legit. So, you know, I, you know, Monty, I think maybe has a slight edge, but I think both these coaches have done smart things in the games that they've won. Um, where Monty's going to have to have the biggest adjustment is, what does he do with Saric out? I mean, that Saric was a, a significant role player for that team. And you can see, at least in game three, there's not a lot of trust in Frank Kaminsky. They decide to go small. And when they go small, you see the Bucks play Giannis at five, which isn't really small. And that might be Giannis's best position, frankly, in, in some situations. So that, that to me is going to be one of the keys to the series moving forward. When, you know, Aiden can't play 40 minutes a game. Like, he's just going to be burnt out at the very end, given the level he's playing at. What do they do in those 8 to 10 minutes per game that you've got to get him uh, off the floor? And, and where do they go? Do they go small? Do they trust Kaminsky? Uh, you know, that, that to me is the biggest coaching question that I think is going to come up the rest of the series. So Team USA losing to Nigeria, that can't be good. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's a big deal. Like, you know, I've heard it's been, you know, social media, of course, which is the worst place on earth. But it, it it's done quite the pivot in the last week. I mean, like a week ago, it was, wow, look at the Team USA basketball assemble. They got Durant. They got Lillard, Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, all these great players. And now it's, well, they don't have the A team. Like, that's why they lost. Oh, okay. Well, you know, Nigeria, who I'm sure you guys have mentioned, like, lost to the U.S. team by 83 in 2012. You know, coming to Vegas and, and winning that game is, is ridiculous. Like, that should not have happened. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I think it does foreshadow some potential issues when this team gets to Tokyo. I mean, this team was a seventh-place team back in 2019, the World Championships. That, that's not nothing, 2018 at the World Championships. That, that's not nothing. That's real um, and, and was a warning sign back then. And this team, even though they will get an influx of talent when Booker and, and Middleton and Drew Holiday get there – though those guys are probably going to be exhausted when they do. Um, I, I worry about what this team is going to be able to do at the Olympics. It's not even close to a foregone conclusion that this team wins gold or even medals at these games. And that game against Nigeria, which has a level of connectivity that the U.S. team can't possibly have, no matter how many practices they have together, that that's, that's, that's going to be an issue for this team moving forward. That's what everybody said after the loss. Oh, we, we haven't been playing together, and Popovich said this could be a good thing to get the attention of the players. Do you buy all that? Oh, 
it's a good thing in that, you know, it's a wake-up call very early in this process, and they've got a bunch more exhibition games to go before they head over to Tokyo so they can get their, get it right. But, like, they're not going to, you know, gel into a championship-level team or a gold medal team in a matter of weeks. It just doesn't happen that way. There's not enough practice time for that. Not against teams that, like, have been playing together for, for decades, really. I mean, I think Pau Gasol's playing. Like, I mean, this is like the Spanish teams have been together forever. I mean... I'm reasonably sure there are players on the Argentinian team that have been there since like the early nineties. Uh, you know, these, these guys, even though they, there is a talent gap between them and USA basketball, the connectivity matters, you know, playing together for that long. It matters. Uh, relationships with each other matters. Um, you know, this U S team, they're going to have some great nights because they have some great scores, and great shooters on that team, but on nights they don't shoot the ball particularly well. And they don't have that defensive connectivity. That they didn't have against Nigeria. Uh, they're going to be in some trouble. I mean, Nigeria is not among the, the, the medal favorites as we go into the uh, this Olympic cycle. They're not. Um, it's Spain. It's France. It's Argentina. It's some of these other powerhouses that the U.S. team's going to have to deal with. And you know, based on what I, I've seen and what I saw anyway from that game against Nigeria, the U.S. has got a lot of work to do before they get on that level. Chris, there's been a lot of basketball played at odd times over the past year and a half, right? And the, this Olympics it, it itself was delayed a year. And you mentioned there are some really good players on this team. Uh, we, we've heard from Joe Ingles, who's very passionate about playing for Team Australia and the Boomers. And But do you think if you talk to NBA owners whose players are over there playing deep down, I, I would guess they're pretty grumpy about it, right? I mean, this pretty extreme circumstance and they're still playing? No, oh, you you don't have to guess. I mean, Mark Cuban's been trying to blow up the Olympics and the NBA for, you know, 10 years now, you know, because NBA owners get nothing out of this. Like, there's no financial advantage to players playing. Now, you can certainly make the case that there is a basketball advantage. A lot of players, especially young ones, come out of these cycles as better players. That's a byproduct of, you know, playing with other great players and seeing practice habits and picking the brain of all these guys. So there's an a individual advantage there but owners they, they're all worried i've talked to many of them they all worry about you know injuries happening which i think is a little overblown because these guys will be playing basketball anyway um you know and, and they're worried about fatigue and guys working too hard going to training camp which i guess is especially in a year like this where there is a bit of a shortened off season um it is a legitimate concern but i i don't think it's anything's going to change i think this is you know, the, the way USA basketball is set up first with Jerry Colangelo and now it's the Grand Hill regime kind of begins after this cycle, you know, you're still going to have NBA players playing for these teams. The question is, who wants to play? I mean, I think in a way, back in 2008, you had, you know, it was cool to be part of the redemption of USA basketball. But that's already happened. They won three gold medals in a row. Like It may be a case where the U.S. team has to, you know, bottom out at this year's Olympics as well, if they do, before you get the A-list guys that want to come back and play again. Chris, of all the things in the offseason, is there anything that sticks out to you as being particularly interesting this time around? Well, I mean, following Damian Lillard is, is to me, fascinating. And, you know, based on his comments this week, um, it sounds like he's going to give it a go, you know, with Portland and not kind of try to force his way out of there. But, you know, it's, this is less about the offseason than going into the regular season, where if I'm a team with assets, whether it's Boston, Philadelphia, any of these teams out there that might have assets to deal, I, I, would, I would pocket them for a while and see how it plays out in Portland because that team might be a 
you know, five and eleven start away from overhauling the roster. And if Damian Lillard's available, I would want to be a GM that has the assets to go and get him. Or even on a lesser scale, CJ McCollum, if he's available, I would want to be a team that can can go and get him. So I guess I'm curious to see how you know, if, if teams keep their proverbial powder dry this offseason, anticipating a potential fire sale in Portland before the February trade deadline. Chris, have you uh, heard anything else or got anything from the inside out on uh, Danny Ainge and his plans and whether there's a connection with the Jazz and if there is, what that might be? You know, nothing current at this point. Uh, I talked to someone last week that said Danny's just relaxing right now. He's still involved in conversations with Brad Stevens as something of a sounding board on, on some of the deals that Brad makes, but that's about it at this point. And, you know, how I felt about this, um, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, r- rings true. I was like, if Danny gets involved this season, which I think is a very questionable thing at this point, it, it won't be in a, a full management capacity. Could I see Danny at some point, maybe in during the regular season, being brought on as an advisor quietly by Ryan Smith? Yeah, I do. But I think for this year, you're going to see Justin Zanuck as the chief power broker here. You know, Quinn Snyder obviously will have a bigger voice now that Dennis Lindsay is gone. Um, I would not expect anything more than, a, at most, a light involvement for Danny Ainge. Well, Chris, thank you as always for jumping on with us. You're always a highlight to our week. You got it, guys. Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. So Olympic basketball got your attention. I mean, are you... How would you rate your interest on a scale from 0 to 10, 10 being highest in what happens with this particular Team USA? Um, about a 2, maybe a 5 if they lose. <laughs> You're more interested if they lose? I am. Okay. Have you read their record? I was just looking over this. I mean, what's it? The the loss to Nigeria, and you heard uh, Chris talk about how you can't, you know, undersell that. But I'm trying to find it. Where is it? Team USA's record since 1992 is they've lost like two games in all that time. What's interesting about that? Uh, let's see. Here it is. Coming into the game, Americans have been 54-2 and two in exhibition games since professionals started playing in 1992. <laughs> Just nine years ago, they beat Nigeria by 83 points in the London Olympics. Five years ago, Team USA beat Nigeria by 43 points in an exhibition. Oh, that seems to be shrinking. So they're interesting because they lost. I'm more interested when they lose. But isn't that, how much does that blow you away that a team that has the, that caliber of players on it, despite the disconnectedness, despite the fact, I mean, you would never think that Nigeria would beat Team USA, right? I don't care if these guys just showed up yesterday. Well, I don't know what condition they showed up in, you know what I mean? <laughs> You never know the reasons for these things, Gordon. Uh, Team Nigeria does have seven NBA players yes, on it, I which did. I think is a uh, historic high for them. So, But, the, I mean, there's no excuse for Team USA to lose. That's why it's uninteresting, because there's no – they should be smashing teams by 43 yeah, I know. points. That's why, that's, that's why I'm wondering. And why is that not a, interesting. And that, coach is, uh, that uh, team is coached by Mike Brown, isn't it? Right. Can I read that? Mm-hmm. Um, but – I, I, you would just think, and I think most Americans, 
American basketball fans think, okay, if the NBA players of that caliber show up, that they don't need to practice. They Their pure talent should crush Nigeria. So there you go. Two in normal circumstances, five when they lose. All right, but you don't care one way or the other, sounds like. I mean, you would actually care more if they did lose. Right. I'm not all that into it either, to tell you the truth. I wonder if we would feel differently if if Donovan was involved. Because, well, still uh, Rudy Gobert and, like you mentioned, Joe Ingles, they're playing. Yeah. And me owning. That's more interesting than Team USA to me. Okay. If Rudy in France plays Joe in Australia, I'm going to be dialed in because those are two teams that are scrapping for a medal. Not a foregone conclusion that they're going to beat everybody <laughs> by 100 points. Yeah. Uh, is is basketball the sport that America supposedly owns more than any other? Certainly the most one-sided sport in the Olympics uh, in the Americans' favor, I would say. Yeah. Okay. I mean, is there any other event that uh, the United States is basically guaranteed a gold medal? Uh, I think uh, breakdancing. I don't know. There's probably some fine breakdancers out there. Are they doing surfing but, in the Olympics now? But Kenya has the um, marathon lockdown, right? Isn't it Kenya that usually they win a gold every year in the marathon? Do they? I'm not sure. Uh, I think I have that. Yeah, I think so. Ethiopia is up there as well. Okay. All right. So maybe it's not a lot. I mean, I'm trying to think of sports out there that a country has on lockdown. Like they win every single year. Mm -hmm. Or every single Olympics, I guess. Well, the Winter Olympics is full of those. Summer Olympics is a little more, there's a little more what? parody. But what the? the biathlon, it's always either Norway or Denmark. You can, or not Denmark, uh, excuse me, uh, Finland. It's Norway or Finland. Every Winter Olympics that wins that thing. Okay. I was This thought crossed my mind as I was watching that Euro thing yesterday. If the U.S. got its best athletes to play soccer, would they dominate that game? It's best athletes trained up from the time they were five years old. So they're raised as. Yes. Okay. I thought you meant like just plug in LeBron James in there. No, if it were emphasized in this country the way it is in Italy and in Germany and England and France, would the U.S. dominate that sport? Yes. You think that's just a matter of population or what, uh, what, what are you basing that on? Uh, I've always used this example. Michael Vick was 230 pounds and ran a 4-3-40. You're telling me that if you didn't teach that, if you taught that guy from birth uh, soccer skills, that he wouldn't be running circles around those people that you watched in the Euro whatever? I mean, come on. Well, I mean, there are other skills involved beyond just speed. But you, somebody with that physical skill set, you teach them to play soccer their whole life, and yeah. You know who I would have loved to have seen play soccer if he had been into it from an early age? Barry freaking Sanders. Another great example. Imagine those little wee soccer players just bouncing (laughs) off Barry Sanders as he goes into the goal. I mean, it'd be amazing. Did you say wee? They are. They're teeny. They're like five. five. No, some of them aren't. But they all do look like horse jockeys. Every soccer player above six feet you notice. Because there aren't very many of them. Oh, he wasn't good at basketball. That's not true. 
You know, some of those uh, teams, national teams, put those tall guys up front to head the ball in. Uh, mostly they play goalie. Let's see, how tall is I'm sorry, Lionel? keeper. Huh? Lionel Messi is 5'7". Yeah, D- I mean, Diego Maradona was 5'5". Five, five. Does it have Christian Cristiano Ronaldo? Ronaldo is pretty tall. He's 6'2". That's a really tall guy from the Netherlands back in the day. He was like Vanessa Roy or whatever his name is. Yeah, he was big. But that's the that's the rarity. And he's probably pretty big or probably good because he's big and physical. It's kind of like the Magic Johnson against point guards thing. If you have eight inches on the person trying to defend you, you're probably going to have an advantage. Well, that's the thing that you hear from Americans a lot. That, uh, well, if if we put our best athletes uh, in a training program and put them on the field, they would they would squash Italy. Well, that, that's the thing. You can't put them into – it's not like a movie where you have a montage and all of a sudden they're good at soccer. You've got to start – I mean, these, these guys are playing since they're kids, like, like the basketball players playing since they're little kids. It takes years to, to develop those skills. But if you, you – Put somebody with the physical capabilities as Utah or as uh, the United States best athletes and develop those skills over their entire lives. Here's the thing. I, I really feel like those other countries are this laughing. This is your montage. Music. They're laughing yeah, at like They're it. laughing at us. Until the montage ends. I so, mean, I mean, yeah, well, obviously the U.S. wouldn't be involved in the Euro thing. But, I mean, we're not in Europe. But, I mean, they, I, I think those teams... Laugh at us. Well, good, because I laugh at them when it comes to basketball. How <laughs> pathetic How pathetic of an effort does the rest of the world put up in basketball? At least, the you know what, the U.S. soccer team goes out and plays the best soccer team in the world. They'll lose 3 nothing, not 14 to nothing. All right. What was the average margin of victory for the Dream Team in 92? Oh, I was really young, but it wasn't like in the 30s, wasn't it? 30s or 40s. Yeah, but that was in 92. So if what, we want the average been uh, in recent more recent times. Well, they just beat Nigeria by eighty three in last London Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, so, but the, yeah, but the exhibition game didn't go that way, did it? So the rest of the world is either. laughing at us when it when it comes to soccer. Oh, <laughs> well, how about you put up a little fight when it comes to basketball? Good well, heavens! Yeah, yeah, but did not bother you a little bit that the U.S. isn't uh, isn't really as good as they should be in no, soccer? It doesn't. Does it bother you that what do you mean as good as they should be? Well, I mean what they're capable of being. There's a lot of money in soccer. No, you know what bothers me that we're not good at in this country? Healthcare. That's what bothers me. <laughs> well, and and by the way, the good point. There's not a lot of money in soccer in this country. Yeah, I guess. What do you mean you guess? No, you're right. But there is, you know, if 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 you had a great athlete and you got him playing soccer, he could go over to La Liga or Bundesliga or Premier League and make make millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, but uh, most uh, kids don't uh, grow up hoping to play to live in a different country. I mean, Gordon, did you did you grow up uh, uh, you know wanting to play the didgeridoo? Or whatever that stupid instrument is in in Australia. A what? You could be the you could be the world's greatest didgeridoo uh, player, and you don't even know it because you didn't grow up in Australia. <laughs> What's it called? The doody doo. Didgeridoo, right? Yeah, it sounds like that. <laughs> you who likes the bagpipes certainly has to like didgeridoo. I don't know. I've never heard of the didgeridoo. Uh, all right. Well, I, I don't know. 
I mean, maybe I'm just that's the nationalism in me coming out. I just feel like America should be great at everything, and it's not really very good. It's not very good at soccer, relatively speaking. It's also not very good at the biathlon, as Austin points out. Why does that not offend you? Because I don't care about guys who ski and shoot. Remember how big a deal it was that the Dan Jansen or whatever won the speed skating thing in Lillehammer? 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 That was a huge deal. And when's the last time you thought of him? <laughs> now. Since then. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we suck at a lot of stuff. Well, we're better than that, aren't we? No, why? No, I guess we're it's, not. We're all Do human we on this planet. I don't now, when Jamaica wins the bobsled, then you got issues. <laughs> oh, Jamaica, I've got a movie for you. Uh, Jamaica was dominating the sprint events, right, for a little while there. That is a good movie. Stay tuned. You know, it's funny. When I was in Jamaica, I actually Honk. saw I saw a bobsled. They had a bobsled on display there. I want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks. <laughs> they if you're also working, had a lot of Bob Marley music playing in the background. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner. Syringa Networks, call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. A lot more coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. It's Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you the Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses. Save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call today. 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Gordon, there's a report out, another one, about uh, Arizona State. Oh, and I want boy. to get your thoughts on this, and I'll, I'll fill you in on what's going on uh, with the report from Pete Thamel in, uh, at Yahoo Sports. But, I, you know, PK uh, talks about this. He has his connections to Arizona State or whatever. But I feel like I've been uh, kind of following the career of Ray Anderson down there at ASU closely because I find actually the concept fascinating where he's a former – professional sports guy uh-huh. he comes out of the pro ranks in fact wasn't he herm edwards agent i want to say way back in the day anyway he was in pro sports forever but the arizona state wants to run their collegiate sports program more like a professional franchise more mm-hmm. like a professional organization that's been their kind of theory that they've operated under so they hire ray anderson and i'm curious like oh, how's that going to go they, they're going against the grain where usually you hire, hire somebody from the collegiate athletic administration ranks and they run it like a college athletic program, <laughs> like it's been run for a long time, okay, right? Yeah. That's usually the background. Uh-huh. So they go for somebody with a non-traditional background, and I find those sorts of things very interesting. What if it works? What if it doesn't? Well, you know, in this particular circumstance – Run it like a poor, uh, pro organization uh, seems to mean uh, forget all of the rules <laughs> and just go out there and and uh, do your best to uh, get talent in your program by any means necessary. Thus, violating the COVID rules and all that mess because mm-hmm. they're already under investigation from the NCAA. Well, today's report 
ties to a situation that actually happened a couple of years ago. But the lawsuit has uh, come up uh, now. It's a federal filing in Arizona District Court. Basically what happened is an associate athletic director, David Cohen, blew the whistle on some sexual harassment involving a big-time booster, Bart Weir. A lot of people will remember this because they did an investigation on it. This booster is traveling around with all the teams and harassing all these women. The internal investigation finds that he harassed at least three, including Bobby Hurley's wife, which is really something. Harassed the head basketball coach's wife. Uh Jeez. But anyway... um, this uh, associate athletic director who blew, blew the whistle is essentially was pushed out after that and is now suing because, well, that's against the law for one, I think. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, and it goes through, Tamil's report goes through all this stuff where Ray Anderson basically did nothing. Like, he didn't do anything about the harassment. He kept the booster as round as, as much as he possibly could. Uh, he he. he didn't do the right thing, let me put it So essentially, way. he wants the money from the boosters, and he wants them protected yes. because it's funneling cash to, to his program. And his natural inclination is to pull the shovel out and cover it up. Right. The only thing that he did proactively about these situations, he had to do because of public pressure mm-hmm. or the fact that this associate AD actually said something. Brought it to the attention of everyone. But now they've got this big lawsuit on their hands and they're going to have to figure out a way to make it go away. Or I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't exactly know what they do, but I don't know how you're. I, I, well, first of all, I don't know how anybody can tolerate that kind of thing. But if you have fans who uh, both male and female, but especially female fans how can they get behind a program that may be trying to uh, make less of that than should be made of it? Because they're also trying to win. And in our society, we overlook a lot of stuff. If the person is winning or the franchise is winning or the school is winning or whatever, people uh, look the other way. And that's that's the danger of, of hiring somebody who's not from athletic administration, right? This is what you leave yourself open to. Yeah, because That's you're pathetic, right? I well, mean, you're bringing somebody in whose entire career has been built around winning. And when you tell them, you say, hey, we don't care what you do. We just want you to build this athletic department and specifically the football program into a winning program. Do you think that's what they're saying? I mean, it seems like it. But, I think that's I mean, what that, this Ray Anderson, is, that's how he's behaving. Does that, does that conversation actually take place? Is it that blatant? Hey, uh. Do what you have to, wink, wink. Why else would you win. hire somebody like that? Yeah. Not not somebody like that, like from a moral perspective, but somebody with that background. Uh, well, hopefully, you would think that they would be able to do it and do it in the in the right way. What do you mean, right way? You just do it. That's why you hire a guy <laughs> like that. If you wanted it done the right way, you'd hire somebody with some experience. Unless he has experience winning in 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 uh, you know in in, in the professional realm. You know, organization, good organizations can win uh, regardless of what what the specific background is, right? You don't – I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I just – that's sad if that's the case, that you bring somebody in and you know devil may care. I mean, he was a sports agent. <laughs> 
Jake said with a smile on his face. He was a sports agent. Yeah. He's never administrated a thing in his darn life. <laughs> you hire a sports agent. What are you? T- what message are you sending? Uh, show me the money. You're saying, hey, you're going to hire people that are going to bring people that are going to make this program succeed. And and by the way, do do sports agents have the most rule following reputation out there? Is that usually how that world operates? Probably not. No. But but I don't want to throw them all under the same. But that's why this really interests me because I like outside the box thinking. I like folks that are open-minded and willing to take uh, chances to go a different direction. In- well, that's exactly what the Pac-12 did in hiring. Right. Actually, I'm glad you made that connection because I had that exact same thought. So you hire somebody with zero experience in administration whatsoever. But they're from the TV world. I mean, it's it's very comparable, right? I mean, you bring in Ray Anderson because you want to bring people around that are going to win. You bring in uh, Klyavkov. How'd I do? Uh, you're trying to rake in bucks. That's his priority. That's but, but it. You he, don't make a hundred. But but he George has has uh, organizational experience. Yeah, so did Larry Scott. <laughs> yeah, but just because just because you come from a different realm doesn't mean you're all going to perform the same way. I agree, but you do leave yourself open to that. Where if somebody doesn't have administrative experience or experience herding cats, because that's basically what you have to do with all these different universities and their competing interests, you know, that should we be surprised if that falls by the wayside because that's not what he was hired to do. That's not what Ray Anderson, Ray Anderson wasn't hired to follow rules. Ray Anderson was hired to attract people that will make uh, the athletic department successful at all costs. Well, that introductory press conference for uh, George Klyavkov, that was one of the first questions he, he faced was talking about, you know, the balance between athletics and academics and some things that are unique to the college realm. And, and he seemed to have pretty good answers to those things, but I, I don't know what's he been on the job for a few weeks now. I, I, if I he didn't have good good answers to those things, then you should really be concerned. <laughs> because if well, you can't be prepped for a press, press conference to say the right thing. Speaking of Herm Edwards, he didn't even know the mascot for the team he was coaching. <laughs> that is true failure at a, at a press conference. If you come into a, a Pac-12, uh, you know, to do the big job at the Pac-12 with no experience in college administration, basically, and, and aren't prepared for the first question of, Hey, uh, <laughs> how are you going to manage that? How, how are you going to do that? If you don't, if you're not prepared to answer that question, then yeah, but yeah, but I, I do believe that you can you can be a great um, organizer and leader, uh, business leader, and step into a slightly different role and still lead it well, even if it's not your area of of uh, your your frame of reference. Uh, or you might turn football over to a sleazy lawyer like Larry Scott did. <laughs> you might. Doesn't mean that you're, you're a great gonna. organizer and leader. And, uh, well, this lawyer seems to know what he's talking about. So, Rubino, <laughs> Devil's Digest. Uh, Devil's Digest, huh? Yes, sir. Where are you located, my man? <laughs> right here in Tempe. Okay, Devil's Digest. Okay. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm Catholic now. I'm a Christian. Watch out, them devils. 
No, Herm, you, your your team is, is called the Sun Devils. Not the the Devils Digest. That that's a that's a a takeoff of of you know the the mascot of the team. No, that, no, no. I think Satan coach. worshippers are really interested in in covering this press conference. There. What would happen if BYU hired somebody like that and someone started talking about the Cougars? He starts saying, "No, no, no. I'm a happily married man," or something along those lines. There's Chester making those parents. I was just trying to think of, you know, the mascot. <laughs> Never mind, all right? I'm having a bad show. Just leave me alone, all right? <laughs> you weren't having a bad show. Now we all are. <laughs> Sorry. I apologize. And guess what? <laughs> it's going to get worse. The Not Sports Report is next. <laughs> Coach Chiesa at 5. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the the best college football coverage in Utah. 975-1280 the zone and the zone sports network. Oh hey guys, Jake here for my friends at Peach Window and Door, locally owned and operated company, passionate. Utah Jazz fans, they've been uh, Utah's premier window and door retailer, combining beauty and technology on windows and doors since 1993. They are terrific, they are friendly, and they can do pretty much anything. If you can dream it, they can do it. They do all sorts of custom work. Uh, For example, if you're into the indoor-outdoor space, maybe you have a walkout basement, you want one of those, uh, those window doors that everybody's talking about, man, they can do it for you. Listen, they are a turnkey window and door company. They want to make it easy and they want to make sure you get what you want. No high pressure sales, uh, no subcontractors, no ghosting. They will sell you windows or door uh, windows or doors. Their crew will install them and back it up with guarantees designed to bring peace of mind to satisfied customers. And listen, customer service is what they are all about. If you call Peach Window and Door, you will talk to a person. They believe in interacting to make sure that you are satisfied and happy. They also offer 0% financing. Uh, They have free in-home estimates, so find out what they can do for you. You can go online, peachbuildingproducts.com. Find out why they have over 255-star reviews on Google. You can go into their beautiful showroom, see for yourself what they can do, 2940 South 300 West, or simply call them. Schedule that in-home esti- estimate, 801-566-1255. That's 801-566-1255. Peach, window, and door. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Get down, get down. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Player of the Game. You call it 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE, and correctly identify the Chevy Strong Player of the Game. Announced by DJ and PK this morning at 8.50. And you win his own prize back. It's the Chevy Strong Player of the Game, brought to you by Rocky Mountain Chevy Dealers only here on the Zone Sports Network. Time for the Not Sports Port, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used cars in inventory, shop online, LHMUSCars.com. All right, Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to Russia. 
But I don't want to panic anybody on this, but it is somewhat concerning that Russia is moving into its final testing stages for the Zircon hypersonic missile, which is capable of traveling at 6,100 miles per hour and has been uh, said as uh, Vladimir Putin's weapon of choice to destroy coastal American cities in the event of an atomic conflict. Real uplifter today, huh? The, uh, the Kremlin leader called the uh, Zircon missile, quote, truly unparalleled in the world, and the Russians have bragged it is unstoppable. The Zircon hypersonic missile system will carry out firings at land and sea targets from the frigate Admiral Gorshkov, and it's entering its final stages of testing and uh, will be operable starting next year. Does that concern you at all? Not really. <laughs> if that doesn't concern you, what what would and why not? There's a ton of stuff that's terrible in the world, Gordon. I still manage to get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> it's probably because we know about it. That probably means it's not the worst weapon that's out there. But see, the pro- <laughs> this is a bad one. And there are all kinds of nicknames for it. But apparently the uh, final test will take place by the end of this month. And look, maybe it's just because I grew up in the era of uh, the Cold War and uh, we used to practice at school, climbing under desks, duck and cover drills. Yeah, because that would have worked. I know, but that's what they told us to do. Well, this is my reaction. Nothing I can do will stop this from getting to me. So why worry about it? So are you going to pay to put it in a bunker? No, no. You seem pretty worried about this. I think you probably. I'm not worried. About it. I just found out about it today. Be, well, it's bunker time. Where's the? <laughs> get your con- get your uh, contractor on the horn, Gordo. Okay, so you're not safe. Wait a minute. If the world went to an atomic war, would you want to survive that, or you would would you want to just get get it over with? Microwave me tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I won't fill a thing. Just end it. Let people like you survive it. Worry. <laughs> 6,100 miles per hour the Zircon travels at. And apparently it's uh, every time they've tested it, it's hit the bullseye. You know, some guy is out there driving around with his kid, picking him up from school. They're having a good time <laughs> bonding over on the way home uh, to listen to sports radio. And that kid's going to enter therapy for five years because yeah, you read this as the gonna, sports report. Never going to leave his room again. No, well, I, well, I grew up with this, this, this impending. <laughs> and look threat. at you! Uh-huh. <laughs> and look, I'm fine. I'm just saying, it's bunker time. <laughs> but, but yet, somehow managed to bring up the doomsday scenario of pretty much any topic. Well, this is sort of a. This does shift the balance of power a little bit, doesn't it? What does the U.S. come up with? Do we have lasers that'll you know handle anything? We have laser sharks. Do we have what? What happened to that whole thing? The the Star Command or whatever? What was that? That's Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Don't we have Space Force or something? I mean, look, if I, my way would be the world would be filled with peace. That's what I would like. Well, why don't we fill the Not Sports Report with peace? 
Well, because this, the Zircon exists now. Even if... And it's, it was presented to Vladimir Putin as his, as a birthday gift or something. Even if the world was at peace, Gordon, I'm pretty confident that you still would be like, well, we're all going to be dead anyway because of the drought. Finally get world peace and now, you know... What? That's what you said we, earlier in this did. show. Yes, we, we say, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, if Major League Baseball came to Salt Lake? Probably doesn't matter because we're all going to be dead in 15 years anyway. If we can't get a drink of water. Not enough water. That's not what I said. It is absolutely is not what I out said. Of it unprompted is, out of the blue, too. It like, it's, like not. it's not like it came up. It was just like, oh, well, everybody's going to be dead anyway. The Zircon Mach 8 hypersonic... Bomb, man, these things are bad. I I hope that uh, responsible people will keep them properly, you know, stored. I can see it because I think the population here will double in that time, and uh, unless w uh, water becomes so scarce that it can't uh, it can't uh, support that kind of population. Well, that that's that, that was. What did I say there that was untrue? We were talking about wouldn't it be fun to have baseball here? And your reaction was it would be if we all have water, which we probably <laughs> no, won't. No, I was talking about the population growth and the ability to support double the population here via water sources. I didn't say that the whole community was going to dry up and blow away. But we were talking about baseball again. I know, but in we order talking for the about the drought. In order for the baseball to come here, it has the growth has to continue. But the growth can't continue if there's not enough water to support the growth. What if one of these Russian bombs hits the growth? Then definitely not going to get a Major League Baseball team. Would yet. we be okay if something like that happened? Would uh, would this area be okay? Or not an excuse to no, start no, talking no, about I'm this. Just, I'm just not, thinking, not an I'm excuse. Thinking, no, I'm thinking, you know, New York and, you know, Washington, D.C. and maybe L.A. I mean, but would uh, we— You can take L.A. Would, be, uh, would we be all right here, or are we one of those designated places that uh, Mr. Putin would like to share his birthday gift with? I don't know. Would it end this conversation? <laughs> if you'd be all for if it. it I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to start watering my lawn more if we're all just going to get microwaved by Russia. Anyway, uh, good point. Uh, Coach Chiesa, who... Uh, Hopefully brighter note coming up next. Very much a more <laughs> positive person. Uh, well, join us next. Oh, that was harsh. 97.5 <laughs> and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. It gave me some things that needed to be done and handled in case you died. Yeah. You know, we set up a little GoFundMe for the family. We, we yep. do some other things uh -huh. to make sure everybody's taken care of. And then your last one was, I don't think I could fulfill that one. <laughs> <laughs> the last one, I, I just was in a bad place when I told you that last yeah. one. By the way, you and Lloyd both have to speak at my funeral. You don't want to speak at Yeah, I do. Funeral. I want both of you to speak for 10 minutes because I think it might be the first time in both of your lives that you would be forced to say something kind about me. Oh, that's not true. Lloyd, you'd have some happy hour recording. He's like, I've to got go. all the drops ready to go. <laughs> 20 minutes of drops. Everybody at my, at my funeral's like, so he had herpes, huh? Is that what did him in? Or was it the ladder on the road? I'm not going to make it if I don't get this pie in me. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Uh, 